Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Well, uh, I was driving to um, Mountainside Fitness years ago. Um, not to uh, work out, but they have a good smoothie bar there. So I was, I was driving to Mountainside years ago, and they had this huge banner on the side of their building that said, uh, look better with the lights on. And I thought, that's a pretty good advertisement for a gym, look better with the lights on. Uh, because we all want to look better with the lights on, right? When I was 20, uh, I had no problem with the lights on. But uh, I'm nearing 50 now, and darkness is my friend, all right? I'll just say that. Uh, one of my children once said, uh, uh, Dad, my shirt hides all my secrets. And I thought, I need to get a shirt that says that. My shirt hides all my secrets. Some of you are thinking, no, it really doesn't. But, you know, whatever. Uh, as, as a child, uh, we were afraid of the dark. Darkness was the enemy. But as an adult, there's a comfort that comes with darkness. And I don't mean to be in physical darkness, but there's a comfort of having certain parts of our lives concealed in darkness. There's a comfort in having certain parts that are off limits, that that, that you, you can't see it and it doesn't exist. As children, we would go to great lengths to avoid the dark, but as an adult, darkness becomes an ally to keep parts of our lives hidden and secluded and invisible and off limits, and we take solace in the unseen and the unannounced and the unknown, because if you don't see it, it's, it, it's almost as if it doesn't exist. Well, we've been on our series called This Is Us, Stories of Unfolding Redemption. And we have been highlighting stories of us, stories in our congregation, stories of struggle and stories of pain and stories of hope and stories of tension and stories of unfolding redemption. And uh, if you're new with us here, one of the hills that we die on, it's on that wood wall out there along with nine others, is to leave the masks. The idea is, is that fake it till you make it might be spoken outside of the church, but here inside of the church, we don't want to be pretenders. If, if you're hurting, we want you to say it. If, if, if you're struggling, we want you to speak it. If you're slipping, we want you to admit it. And we, don't, we don't want to put on facades and false fronts, but that we would rather leave the masks and be able to find a safe environment to say, I'm struggling. And one of uh, the things that I've loved about our current series is the vulnerability that our church has shown in sharing their story. Matter of fact, uh, you can share your story on our website, revealvineyard.com. There's a tab that you can share your story. We would love to hear uh, what God has done and is continuing to do in your life. Because we all have a story. All of them are different, yet all of them are, are largely the same. All of our stories involve victory and defeat and struggle and pain and some darkness. And if you're a follower of Jesus or if you want to be a follower of Jesus, your story involves uh, this idea of unfolding redemption. That you're not the person that you're supposed to be now, but you're becoming that person. That you're not the person you want to be, but you're not the person that you used to be. It's unfolding. It's redemption that's occurring a little bit at a time. The Bible speaks of three Uh, different salvations as we know it. And I've told you this before, but just for review, one of them is this, I was saved. And for me, I was saved when I was 14 years old uh, at the side of my bed, 
uh, knelt down and asked Christ to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, made him the Lord of my life, and from then on, no looking back. I was saved at 14. But I am also in the process of being saved. There is redemption that is taking place in me. The Bible calls this sanctification, that we are being set apart, that we are being changed and transformed, that we are no longer the people that we used to be, right? Second Corinthians talks about that, that we're trying to distance ourselves from the man or the woman that we used to be and step closer to the man that God's called us to be. And so in a very real sense, all of us are in recovery of some sorts. We are recovering from the person that we, we, we were. We're recovering from the person that our flesh wants us to be. And we're stepping into the person that God wants us to be, that our spirit wants us to be. This is the process of salvation. We are being saved. We are being transformed. We are uh, uh, in a lifelong process of unfolding redemption. And then the third avenue, the third salvation, is that I will be saved. This idea of glorification, that one day we will stand before Christ and the old struggle will be gone, and that I will be fully saved. Uh, John talks about this uh, in his uh, epistle where he says that one day we will see him. What we become, we don't know, but we know this, that we will be like him when we see him. And so this idea that all of us have a story and our stories are in a constant state of flux and hopefully in a constant state of unfolding redemption where God continues to work out our salvation, that number two, that God continues to sanctify, continues to work and continues to change us. We all have a story and um, I think we all have a story of redemption to to the degree that we are willing to step into the light. And so we're gonna ask today, What would it look like if we began to look better with the lights on? That doesn't mean that we drop 40 pounds suddenly, right? But what does it mean if we began to look better with the lights on emotionally? All of those things that kind of, that that attach themselves to us and those things that we pack up and send away and yet they keep appearing on our doorstep. What if we begin to deal for maybe the first time for some of us with some of those things emotionally that haunt us and, and tormenting us and affecting our decisions and keeping us from the life that we desire and certainly the life that God desires for us? What if we begin to look better with the lights on mentally? What if, what if our thought life is finally taken captive to the obedience of Christ and we can begin to get our thoughts to line up with the thoughts of God? What if we were to look better with the lights on spiritually and morally and if there were no more secrets? What if we stepped out of the darkness and we began to look better with the light on? What if we uh, allow the light of Christ to illuminate even the dark corners of our lives, the hidden thoughts and the actions done in secret and the wounded emotions and the disappointments and the unforgiveness towards others and the unforgiveness that we hold on towards ourselves? What does it look like for you? See, it's easy to look good in the darkness. Go ahead and bring those lights down, will you? See, it's easy to look good in the dark. Now, if you didn't know me, here's how I would explain myself. I would say, hi, my name is Marty. I am 6'3", and I'm 185 pounds. I wear size 30-inch Levi's, button fly, the skinny, tight ones, and they fit baggy on me. But now when the lights come up suddenly, all of a sudden you're like, well, he's not wearing size 30-inch Levi's. I lied. They're 32s, all right? I fudged just a little bit. 
It's easy to look good. Why do you think nightclubs are so dimly lit? Because everybody looks better in the dark. (laughs) Right? To step into the light takes some vulnerability. And part of what I loved about this series, as as I've shared, is I love the vulnerability that our church has shown in stepping into the light. Uh, uh, So today, uh, we're going to be encouraged to uh, step out of the darkness and expose ourselves. And that sounded totally wrong. We're going to step out of the <laughs> wrong. We're going to step out of the darkness and allow the light of Christ to shine on every area of our life, even the hidden places that we've kind of kept in the darkness and 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 those things that nobody knows about. But me, we're going to be challenged to step into the light. Join me as we pray. Lord, it's, a, it's a, uh, what could be a, a, a difficult message, but I rather, I don't look at it as a difficult message. I look at it as a message of hope and as a message of dealing with the things that have just kind of hung around for so long and a message of dealing, uh, a hope of, of dealing with the things that have hung on to us and have um, damaged us and hurt us and warped our thinking and to finally step into the light and take a breath, to finally confess and to begin to move past it. And so today, Holy Spirit, do something powerful in our midst. Release us from the darkness that we would step into your glorious light. In Jesus' name, amen. The biblical account of creation tells us of Adam and Eve who lived attention-free, sinless existence, both before God and before one another. And without sin, without that tension, uh, you know, there, there, was, there was no conflict. I mean, you, could, you might want to say that love is in the air. Look, look at uh, uh, Genesis 2, 25. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked, catch this next part, and they felt no shame. Now, this was a good day, I'm guessing, Right? You're, you're, you're naked and you felt no shame. There was, catch this, there's no uh, need to hide. There's no embarrassment. You're just strutting your stuff across the garden. And you are the best looking man, the best looking woman on the planet. Granted, there was no competition, but you were, you would be the best looking, period, right? Ladies, this was before the fall. And so Adam knew a little something about romance. Matter of fact, when God presented Eve to Adam, the first words out of his mouth was, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That's pretty good right there. (laughs) That puts players to shame right there. This was the first word spoken to Eve by any human on earth, and they were spoken to her by a naked man. It was a good day, okay? You can just kind of catch that. I often wonder if she beat him up with those words later. You know, kids now, and life gets busy, and, and, and now it's like, well, you never do anything romantic anymore, and, you know, you, you never say anything romantic, and you went from Marvin Gaye's, let's get it on, to Larry the Cable Guy's, let's get her done, right? You just kind of, you changed it all, and you're just not the same person you used to be. But look at, look at it again. Adam and Eve and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame, 
right? There, there was no rejection. This was before sin and before darkness and before life got funky and before lies rooted themselves into our consciousness and before we were consumed with selfishness and before the need to pretend to be something that we're not and before masks that hide our true identity. There was no darkness and there was no shame. But if you know the story, temptation came and they gave into that temptation. They chose their own desires, followed their own plan. And immediately when they pulled away from God, everything changed. And we see it immediately. Verse 7, chapter 3. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized, look at the change. They realized they were naked. They went from no shame being naked before one another to suddenly realizing they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together to make coverings for themselves. Immediately we see the breakdown. And here's, here's, here's what it is. I need to hide myself from you. I need to conceal parts of me that I don't want you to see, parts that I'm ashamed of, things that I do in secret, the things that I keep hidden. And from this moment on, humanity hid in the darkness. And we remained in the shadows, concealing our shame, obscuring our actions, and stuffing our hurt. I don't want you to see all of me because there are parts of me that are stained and embarrassed and frail and broken and I'm ashamed of what I've done. I'm ashamed of what I do. I'm ashamed at what was done to me. And so the only thing I know how to do is to hide. Look at verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And we get the picture that this was a common occurrence, that they recognized the sound of God coming near. The rest of verse 8 And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Possibly, possibly the saddest scripture in all of the Bible. Where creation is hiding from its creator. It would be like my children hiding in fear from me when I come home and pulling themselves away from me. Look how it continues Verse 9, but the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? I think God knew where Adam was. I think he wanted Adam to acknowledge his condition. Have have you ever had God ask you, where are you? Not because he doesn't know, but there's something in speaking out your confession. Sometimes just speaking it out can break a heavy yoke upon us. There are some things here that I'm sure that there are some things that maybe you're involved in that you've never spoken. And even the thought of speaking it out makes you nauseous because to to speak it gives life to it and and, and makes it a reality. And God says, Adam, where are you? I need you to acknowledge what happened. Verse 10, and he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. Do, do, Do you see the change suddenly? And, and I, I was afraid because I was vulnerable and I was afraid because I was stained and because uh, I felt unworthy and I was afraid because of my past. And so the only thing that I knew to do was to hide. And we have been hiding ever since. 
and, and I'm, I'm afraid of you seeing parts of me because I'm stained and I'm afraid of, uh, of you finding out something and I'm afraid of my past and I'm, and I'm afraid that if you found out maybe you would, wouldn't like me or that you would reject me. And so we, we live in this facade and we make things up and, and, and the only thing that we really know how to do is take portions of our life, take parts of our being and to conceal them in the shadows and to hide them and to portray what I want you to see. But there are some parts of my life that need to be hidden. And today we ask the question, what if we stepped into the light and began to look better with the light on? If God was to ask you the question, why are you hiding, what what would you say? Maybe you would say, I'm hiding because... I'm an internet clicker. I, I have this problem. And, I, and, and every time I click, I tell myself, it's the last time. And I find myself there over and over again. I hide because my marriage is a facade and we don't talk about it. We pretend, but I hide that part of my life. I, I hide because I fall into sexual sin over and over again with whoever I date. I hide because of an eating disorder that nobody knows about. Even my husband doesn't know. I hide because of my self-esteem. I hate who I see in the mirror. I hate the sound of my name. I hide because of what was done to me, terrible, unspoken things that robbed me of my innocence. I hide in the shadows. I hide my hatred towards my ex. I hide my disappointment with life. I hide my depression and my anxiety because nobody would understand, especially in the church. And so... There are things in my life that I don't think you would understand, and so I do the only thing that I know to do, and I hide. When did we come to believe that what we've done is who we are? When did we come to believe that what was done to us is who we are? When did we come to believe that, that, that the things that I've done or even the things that I'm currently doing or especially those things that were done to me, when did we begin to adopt our identity based upon those things? And when did the voice of the enemy become so loud that we can no longer hear the voice of God? Today, what if we stepped into the light? Recently, we had a series at the church called uh, Hooked, the Lies That We Believe. And throughout that series, I kept thinking about the lies that I believed in my life as a child. I was sort of a typical Southern California, blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid. Grew up in a a real shame-based household where performance was everything and not shaming the family, not embarrassing the family was, was huge. So anything that happened that was not acceptable, I had to hold on the inside. And I believed that I had to perform in order to be, you know, worth whatever in our family line. So we moved to Oregon when I was a young teen, and we went to visit some relatives who were already living there, and I had an uncle... He was old enough to be an uncle. He was a relative who convinced my parents to uh, take me on a camping trip. So on that weekend, that first night, I was exposed to adult sexuality in a very big way. I 
This guy did things to me as a young teen that I didn't even know people did. And I remember experiencing that and sort of the the empty feeling that came into my soul. And I knew right away, I mean, I knew right away, this is a secret I'm going to have to keep. That actually went on off and on when he visited our family. Um, I think he just knew I was vulnerable and he knew that I would keep the secret. So there were really shameful things that were done to me and painful things, in fact. And so that happened probably till about my mid, mid-teens and for some reason he didn't come around anymore. But that was all inside of me now. It was actually a part of, of who I was. Looking back, I realized how that infused another lie into me that perhaps I wasn't really a man. It skewed my view of sexuality and, and masculinity and, and actually closed me up quite a bit more. I was already pretty quiet. Um, so with all of that, you know, moving forward, about at age 19, I felt like God called me to the ministry and I went to Bible college. Um, well, actually before that, I met, I met the woman of my dreams. She was 18 and I was 19. And I actually, I didn't know it then, but I, I think I thought on the inside, if I get married, that everything's going to be taken care of. I'm not going to struggle with the things I'm struggling with now um, with regard to sexual practices. Um, I'm not going to struggle so much with feeling like a man or not that she was going to be the one to bring healing to me and, and make me feel the more more the man I wanted to be and believed I was, I was meant to be. Uh, that was a lot of weight to put on, uh, on a, a woman who was also... A, a very broken person. We didn't know it. So we married when I was uh, 21 and she was 20. And we took off down to uh, Southern California to go to, to Bible college. And while I was there, the whole performance thing really kicked in. I was, you know, I was an honor student and, and had this really incredible presentation I could make to other people via my achievements and accomplishments. But on the inside, I was, I was just always had this sense of shame and emptiness. In reality is there was a loneliness so deep inside of me that I didn't know how to describe what it was. And all these secrets and all this shame kept coming forward. Probably about halfway through school, I committed adultery with another student at the school. And so now I had this new secret. And it was, it was one of those things where I kept promising God I wouldn't go there anymore. I wouldn't do that anymore. I, when I would fall, I would feel the, the shame and the darkness. And I was convinced this time, if I confess it, I'm going to get free of it but with all kinds of sexual failure and emotional failures and and I say this carefully sexual addictions um, we go through this cycle I went through this cycle where 
I just knew this time would be the time I'd be able to stop. I'd be able to put it aside. I'd be able to commit my heart to God and just go forward. But there's always another trigger, always something else that really drew me in. And I would find myself. I had made choices, but it felt like I found myself back in that place. So I had this secret from my wife. I had this secret from fellow students. I certainly couldn't bring that forward. But as we went into graduation and, and ordination and those kinds of things, all of that was inside of me. I actually confessed to my wife about two weeks before graduation about what had happened. And though she had suspected something because she knew, she didn't want to admit it to herself. So we did what we had been taught. The old is gone, the new has come, put behind you that old life and, and press on forward. So she forgave me and we moved on, went through graduation. And two weeks later, I was pastoring my first church. Probably about five years into ministry, maybe four. Um, I was pastoring another small church in Canada near Toronto. I never lost sight of, I want to be a man of God. And I never lost sight of, I wanted the kingdom and I wanted to be a man of purity. I wanted to be the dad. We had two boys. I loved my boys. I wanted to be the dad they needed. I wanted to be the pastor that, that God had called me to be. But after a year or so in that church, I felt like I had moved as far away as I could possibly have moved away. And uh, a lot of times after church on Sundays, when everybody was gone, the worship team was gone, which I was the worship team, so I guess I was there. My wife played the piano, um, but everybody else was gone and I would sit in the church and literally what I would do is I would speak out loud and I would say, I hate you. And the self-hatred had become so strong that I was like, felt like I was speaking to almost a stranger, like a stranger. And I would say, I hate you, Ken Lancaster. I hate your name. I hate who you are. That old teaching that my wife and I had been taught, that you forget the past and you move on, I started to understand was really, you know, one-dimensional theology. What I didn't see, I, I was taught, and I taught others. I taught this hard as a pastor, probably shamed others the way I shamed myself. You just need to read the scripture, and you just need to pray, and it's going to take care of everything. And I did that. I studied. I prayed. I, I took it all in, but things weren't changing. And the reality was, scripture was what I needed, and prayer was what I needed. But in the scripture... There was this verse that God spoke to me one morning, and it was out of James, confess your faults, your sins to one another, and you'll be healed. And that scared me so much because the Bible called for community, and I didn't want community. I wanted God to fix me so I could move on. Uh, so one of those mornings when I had tromped through the snow and I was in church, and the snow is blowing through the windows. The Lord really convicted me to call a couple guys and to step out and to start saying out loud, actually what I'd never said out loud even to myself. So I called a couple men from the church, a couple of our leaders, 
and they came in. I'm sitting in front of a little space heater, and they sit down on each side of me, and I say, guys, I got to tell you something. And I just started with every word. Every word. It felt like someone was reaching down inside of me and, and, and pulling my guts out, this this death out. And there were times I shouted, anger came out. I'm sure I scared the heck out of them because I know they'd never seen anything like that before. But I said it. I said what I needed to say for the first time. And those guys, they put their hands on my shoulders. I don't know what was happening on the inside of them, but on the outside, they were showing me grace and they were showing me mercy and they, they didn't shame me. And on that day, I actually think that my life began. I have a life cheat sheet on my arm. It's actually in Spanish. El Señor me dijo que basta con mi gracia por mi poder se perfecciona en la debilidad. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. I would like to say also that everything went really super well with the church. We pastored a couple more churches and on staff at, at others. Some people were super gracious. They came alongside of us. They loved us. They shared their stories. We had great community, but there was also, and this is a reality, we had to face. There were also people who didn't want to pastor who had the story that I had. So there was hurt and there was rejection in the context of the church. But what my wife and I deeply believe is that the church is the heart of God on the earth. There's nowhere else to go. You can't go back to isolation. And you can't just go to some group somewhere. You need the church. You need the community. You need Jesus' life flowing into you and you need Jesus' life flowing through you to others. Uh, a cool thing eventually happened and I ended up being part of a ministry that um, ministers around the country in these areas and around the world. If you would have told me early on that I was going to go literally around the world and share these things with other people, I probably would have just gone on to be with Jesus. My heart couldn't have taken it. But the reality is I've been in 20 plus countries and some of them multiple times and I found this theme everywhere I've gone there are men and women in the church who are broken they're struggling with various addictions probably sexual addiction carries with it the most shame the impact of abuse eating disorders and they're just looking for an opportunity to talk about it and so I want to be that kind of person. My wife does too. I guess what I would say is if you're looking for deliverance, you're likely not going to get it. If you're looking for an opportunity to get closer to Jesus through being vulnerable and open and sharing your story, God could have delivered me. But James really clearly taught me that God has reserved some of my healing for community that I need you, and that in fact, whether I feel like it or not, you need me. Um, 
Let's say this one more thing. If I had believed the lies, we talked about lies at the beginning. If I had believed the lies that the enemy was riding into my life, I wouldn't have a 40 year long marriage. That's actually quite incredible. Even my wife will say that. I wouldn't have two incredible sons, one of who is pastoring a vineyard church. I wouldn't have five incredible grandchildren that I love with all of my heart. The lie would have killed all that. But embracing Jesus, pursuing the kingdom, pursuing community has made possible what God has for us in our lives. We think that's pretty cool. My name is Ken Lancaster, and this is my story. Do you get it? I mean, do, do you, I, I, I filmed Ken and I edited him, that video, and I've watched it 20 sometimes. And every time I watch it, it, it grabs me. This is why we do what we do. Because the church needs to be the one place on earth that people can come and not have to hide in darkness. The church has to be the one place where people can come and admit their, their frailty and, 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 and all the junk and all the things that have them stuck in the muck and the mire and to not have people push them away. But to say, come on in, I was right where you were not too long ago. This is why we do what we do. This is why the church, as, as Ken said, is the expression of God on earth. And so let me speak the word of God over you today. You are not what you've done. And you are not what was done to you. You are more. You are more. And there is a loving God who is wooing you, calling you, enticing you to just step out of the shadows into the light that he may wrap you in his presence. Ken said, what I wanted and what most of us want is we want the issue to go away. Ken said, look, all I wanted to do was to be healed of my problem. I didn't want the community aspect of it. And there's power in what he said that there was a measure of my, commu- there was a measure of my healing that was reserved for community. In other words, that he said, I would not begin a life of recovery until I invited some people around me and spoke the things that have held me captive. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. See, this is the reason why we're launching our Restore ministry. Uh, This is uh, the reason why uh, we're trying to put some tools in your hands um, for that uh, ministry. You should have one of these inside of your bulletin. Go ahead and put that up. Thank you. You should have one of these inside of your bulletin. This is an opportunity for you to step into the light. And here's what I know is happening. Some people right now are saying, this is an opportunity of hope that I can step into the light and finally begin to deal with this. And there's another part uh, of the church that's saying, I can, I can beat this on my own. 
And you know you can't beat it on your own. Because you've told yourself that same lie over and over and over again. And the only thing you've prayed and you've confessed and you've read and you've worshipped and you've come. And the one thing you've never done or you haven't done in a while is to confess it to some people and to say, I need help. And so we're launching five groups that will start under our Restore ministry. It's going to launch some point in in mid towards the end of of March, so coming up very soon. We'll have dates for you soon, but I wanted to get some of this in your hand. Um, We're going to have a nine-week intensive that's just for married couples, and that you would invest in the most important relationship in your life, your marriage. Nine weeks on that. Uh, We're going to have a course that's just for women called Healing the Wounded Woman. Uh, We're going to reach into our past and have some courage to deal with some things that maybe have never been dealt with. And those things that continue to hurt and to continue to steer us and to continue to hold us. And we're going to expose ourselves to the light of Christ. We have a PTSD recovery group that is currently running even right now. And maybe there's a minister or an opportunity for you to step uh, into the light there and to finally begin to get some healing and recovery. Uh, Kin is leading a men's purity group that will launch sometime in March as well. And hey, if the statistics are correct that 78% of men in the church are struggling with this, then you got to get into the light. Now, let me speak to the ladies. What's happening right now is, is there's men across this room who are thinking, I, I'm hooked, but if I step into the light, I don't know how my wife's going to respond. And so I'm asking you to give some grace in what will be a very difficult area um, and to rather see the step into the light as a step of healing and a step to beat something that really grips the heart of just about every man. And so I'm asking for some grace there because I know what's going to happen. We know all the statistics and we're going to have this men's purity thing and there's going to be you know three or four guys that are going to sign up for it and there'll be three or four guys that are going to say, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm stepping into the light. I'm getting healed from it. And that healing, listen to me, will not come unless you step into community and begin to confess it and allow some people to know. That's just the reality of it. There is something that happens when you speak something that maybe you have never said before. And then we're going to have a living free group that will uh, be a 12-step group that will kind of be a catch-all, whether it's for substance abuse or eating disorders. And and then we have about three or four groups that we're looking to launch, depending on what the response is to these things and uh, what that looks like and how we can put tools in your hands. But look, Look, uh, James, we said last week, James 4 talks about life being a vapor, and it really is. And what's going to happen is one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be pushing upwards of 60 plus, and you're going to look back and think, I never beat this thing. And we can continue to lie to ourselves and continue to tell ourselves, I'll do better next time, I'll do better, but you know it's not going to happen. And so restore is a bunch of wayward people coming together and saying, I have a struggle. 
don't judge me. And it's other people saying, I have a struggle. I won't judge you. You don't judge me. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's beat this thing together. That is reveal at its best. Join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, uh, I pray this is a, a, a pivotal moment in many lives today. I pray that there would be many that would sign up in the bulletin, just write their name, write the group next to it, write a phone number, and to say that I'm stepping into the light. I pray that we would begin to position ourselves that the voice of God would begin to be louder than the voice of our enemy that lies to us. And I pray that you would begin um, spark that redemption story in us. Because I am convinced that your desire is that every man, every woman, every teen in here, that your desire is that we all have a redemption story. A redemption story that moves us away from the old man, the old woman, and stepping closer to the person that you desire for us to be. And that doesn't happen alone. And so today we take the masks off and we step into the light, believing that you will do what only you can do and that you will use your church to do what only the church can do. Let this be a new season of freedom for many of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, church, listen, any of these that uh, you're interested in, they'll be on Tuesday night starting mid-March. They'll meet here, 7 o'clock, it's adults only. You need to sign up in the bulletin, just find a spot in the bulletin, write your name, the class, and some contact information. Listen, do not, do not allow this moment to pass. Some of you, the Holy Spirit is upon you, and if you walk out those doors, you're going to be in the same place next year. All right? Step into the light. God bless you guys. I look forward to seeing you next week. You are good to me all the time. Oh.